determined. I am focused. I am inspired. I am motivated. We are in Four More, a dynamic and collaborative team of four entrepreneurs who inspire and motivate by educating you through fun and interactive channels. Get ready to explore now. So right now, in the current state of what's going on, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of anxiety around, you know, being sitting at your home and not being confined to like one space. And once quarantine is over, which I think that all of us are, are waiting anxiously to see when that countdown happens, what is that new normal going to be looking like? You know, is it going to be the same as where we were before, where we were going out? eat, we're going to work, we're commuting, or are we going to see a sense of a little bit introspection as far as do we need to be more careful than we were before? Were we a little bit careless as a society? So I kind of posed this question to all of you that what does new normal actually look like to all of you? Well, Misha, I'm just going to step in there and say, as somebody who's living in real solitary confinement, by that a single studio, okay, and not mm -hmm. and trying not to lose my mind. Yes, mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> I have personally, um, ha I've had to implement, you know, I've had to implement some balance because balance just get, is going to be the thing that's my survival mode, okay. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. is just creating customs and rituals, which I've been thinking a lot about what does my daily routine and ritual look like? What is getting me out of this? Oh my God, I'm trapped in a studio. Uh, we're living minute to minute, moment to moment. You're hearing headlines that are drastic, right? We've got 81,000 fatalities globally. You've got 6.6 .6 million people unemployed. You've got hospitals taking on more than they can chew and the economy just you know, on its way to a big, huge plunge. So with all that said, I've been creating, and I think this is really important to create, my own ritual okay so you know just one of those rituals is moving from the bed because i don't have a couch and my bed is my couch moving from <laughs> the couch to my bathroom and doing a little self-talk in the mirror in the bathroom and just starting off a little dialogue a little meditation and saying this day is going to be great you know what are my intentions what's my target what's my focus i know it seems really silly and the bathroom is not that far away but guess what it helps me to alleviate my nerves. It helps with my sanity. And a lot of, speaking of this topic of rituals and customs, I've not only been thinking about my own rituals and customs, but I'm, I've been thinking about this from a global perspective, okay? Um, culturally, which is something I don't think we all think about. Think about how people are being affected on a cultural level, right? Um, just something that springs to mind is in Italy, yes, who's been completely devastated, devastated by all of this. They've seen death, they've seen murder, they've seen it all, they've seen mayhem, they've seen tragedies happen. And so, you know, in lieu and in retrospect of that, you know, people who were just praised for going out and loving the nightlife and arts and culture and all of that, how does that play into what's been going on with, the, with this pandemic? Are we asking for people or are they being forced to take on a new normal, okay? Also think about Hasidic Jews, the Jewish community. You know, um, a lot of what surrounds what's really important for them is to be in large groups, right? Um, people, people are life for them. And so essentially Orthodox men, you know, I know this for a fact that they basically get, congregate in about 10 or more people in large groups and that's a custom. Is that going to be changed on a cultural level? 
You know, I think yeah. you really um, hit the nail on the head about the new normal. I mean, I share the same sentiment of noticing details in my small living space as well. I mean, the other day I was putting WD-40 on the hinges on the door to make sure it wasn't squeaky, which I would never notice before. So <laughs> I do think yes. uh, yes. small details, but I've been doing a lot of reading and it's like, what is the new normal? It's not going to be a one day everybody go back to normal. It's going to be phases. It's going to take a little bit longer than we originally expected. But I do see talking with, you know, business owners, clients, friends, family, we're in a mindset where we're I feel like we're going to be less risky and more about mm -hmm. maintaining what agree. you have, which is yeah. very different than what we were taking. It was all about the risk and go out there. And now we're kind of reeling that back in to be less risky. I mean, we're having debates about should the handshake be obsolete because mm -hmm. that can lead into more. And that's the whole cultural dynamic. So. I find it very interesting when we go into that new normal and when we are talking post-quarantine in these phases, how will people's mindset change? And I think it'll be all about less risk and maintaining um, health and talking about more of the internal importance versus being external, what we used to be about just going out and purchasing. Don't worry about debt because we're in a growth mode. This is going to be a time where we have to talk about maintenance and being less risky. So it'll be interesting to see how organizations basically realize that idea and are able to adapt because you're going to have a much more smarter consumer base when you're talking to business mm -hmm. and also meeting with friends. They're going to take less risk. So that's just going to affect, make our more of like a, a hermit type society, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think in the last, uh, that's really interesting you say that because I, I do feel like, you know, once you've done something for such a long time, you know, you, you acclimate to it. In the last podcast, mm. we talked about how humans are so resistant to change, yet we're capable of acclimating and adapting fairly easily. If you look at evolution, right, in, in Asia, the way they ride horses is actually like, they actually come close to them, right? And they're kind of like leaning on top, their body is near the top of it. So when you think of the motorcycles, they're like the Kawasaki's and the Suzuki's, they actually have them where they're leaning forward. But in right. the U.S., in the western you know the the, the wild west the wild wild west right you know when they used to ride horses they would lean back so when you think of a harley davidson you're actually leaning back and you're enjoying the ride right so like we we evolved to a point where we're comfortable so when i think about that i think about like how as a species we're going to evolve and in some ways it could be something that is is a good is a good change right like mm -hmm. we're going to utilize mm -hmm. a lot more of the technology we're going to be able yeah. to connect with people faster and we're going to take advantage of that and some companies are going to benefit from that efficiency humans will benefit from that efficiency like tim was talking about his uh facetime session with his grandparents so now they're going to be able to facetime with him more often because they're used to using this technology yeah, after quarantine but in some ways yeah in some ways I, I have a little bit of worry because i was jogging yesterday i went outside and i i, I promised i practice social distancing i was very <laughs> careful but i went for a jog and uh i wanted to just i just kind of want to get out sometimes you know it's hard to be crammed in a small space so i feel for you that and tim um, you know, essentially that's, that's the hard part of being in that situation for so long, but people stop, like, I feel like there's a, there's a distrust between among us mm -hmm. as, a, as, a, as a species, like everyone mm -hmm. is looking yeah. at each mm -hmm. other, like, I want to get away from you, you're yeah. infected, mm -hmm. I don't know you, exactly. before it was more welcoming, like, mm -hmm. we're in the south, right, yes. everyone is so cordial and nice, yes. but now everyone 
everyone's looking at you like you're not safe to be I around. I have to agree <laughs> with you, Anthony, and also something Tim you said um, actually really brings about a, a lot of anxiety in me is I'm a very friendly person. I'm from the South. I love to hug people. I love to handshake. Handshake is is really the, the quintessential way of addressing someone, right? When you meet them, you mm-hmm. have a firm handshake that shows trust, that shows, you know, a welcoming aspect, and also looks we're ready to conduct some business together. So I think that's something that's going to be really hard for me because now that I'm actually inside and I have more time on my hands to really kind of see like when I'm actually, you know, set out into the, the horizon with other people outside, how am I going mm-hmm. to, to accept that challenge? Am I going to automatically extend my arm or am mm-hmm. I going to kind of nod and be like, hello, you know, kind of be that, that person that, that, is a little bit more reclusive because not that I don't like to do handshakes, but I I'm worried about germs. I'm worried about the transfer of, of Corona because we, we may not eradicate it a hundred percent. And sometimes, you know, there's no Corona on people's foreheads to let you know that. So I think that's also a challenge. And I think that if I'm feeling this, other people are going to feel that as well. And we are going to become more of a, I guess a paranoid society for a while, hopefully that will die down a little bit, but I think that we need to be a little bit more paranoid to actually, you know, preserve our lives and help those, you know, others as well. So I think that's going to be part of that new normal uh, culture as well. Yeah. And Misha, you bring up such a good point. Um, I think we've all been really cognizant of who we are and our behavior to this thing. And my question is, and something that I've been really thinking about, is it so much that we're adapting or are these attributes, you know, like it or not, negative or dark aspects of ourselves that we're finally in touch with, right? Given the circumstances, mm-hmm. I'll give you an example of this. You know, I was walking my dog as I normally do. And of course that the dog walk is always filled with a lot of anxiety these days because I'm mm-hmm. now, I'm, I'm typically a very social person and I smile as mm-hmm. I walk by passerbys. Now it's like, let me dodge the person. The person, people yeah. are the enemy. They've got a target on them. And it almost becomes like the dog walk is a a fit of survival mode, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you see me just dodging people left and right, crossing the street, trying to watch their behaviors. And I saw this one older woman and she was across the street from me and she just stopped and she started coughing her lungs out and she did not have a covering. And at that moment in time, I caught myself very nice socially vet all of a sudden just going, Mm -hmm. giving her the dirtiest death stares, literally. Okay. I totally relate to you because the same thing happened to me. I don't get out of my apartment very often, but I went to go throw the trash um, the other day and I was walking and just kind of aimlessly, I, I, I like to go really fast too. I'm like, oh, okay, I have my gloves on. I've got the trash in hand. I'm going to actually put it in and then just dart right back to my apartment, which is like really just a, you know, 30 second walk. Exactly. Well, a guy the dog. Like, turned, the, a guy turned the corner and approached me and I did not, I normally, I'm the first one to give eye contact. I'm the first person to say hello and sometimes wave. He actually said hi to me. I said like kind of like a shy hi and then I darted. <laughs> so it is, it is something that's also like changing my personality and I know myself and you know what, if we all assume everyone has Corona, I think that we are going to practice that self social distancing a little bit clearer 
Because if, if we think that everything is, is clear, then we're not going to be as, as respectful, I think. Well, you bring up a really good point. What is our new language? Are we going to have a new language that emerges from this, right? Is a new, let's say, elbow bump, is that the new form of courtship? When you can tell someone, <laughs> yeah, like, yep. I mean, yes. this is what I'm thinking about being a single woman in the dating world and trying to navigate yeah. that, which is a separate story in itself. What is the new norm when it comes to dating, right? How do we progress when we're living in a world where we're moment to moment, okay? Literally do not know what's happening tomorrow. What's the game plan? When are we out of quarantine? What becomes mm -hmm. sort of the game plan? How, how do you keep yourself sane when on one end, right, we should be setting long-term goals, but we don't know mm -hmm. exactly what the timeline is for those goals. Um, right. And that's definitely something I've been really struggling with. And, you know, I keep doing setting up my FaceTime sessions and trying to be a little bit more socialized because I don't want to become like this sort of, you know, hermit crab yes. that's indoors mm -hmm. and gets disillusioned with the world and starts hating humanity because humanity is the ultimate enemy. I want to make sure I try to, you know, whether it's getting together with friends via FaceTime, setting up group, you know, go to meetings. That's really important for me because that keeps the humanity going. And in another perspective for me on a professional level, you know, you start to see things, whether it's not in your, whether it's in yourself or within, you know, leaders of an organization that you work with, how they respond to situations like this. There's a new language that, that sort of breathes into that as well, right? And a lot of what you will be sort of interacting with is not always the positive right? You'll learn a lot about how people take on situations. How are they controlling? How are they communicating with their staff, right? And that, mm -hmm. you know, how are people being supported right now? That's going to be telling for the future. And I've been thinking a lot about this and what I can do to improve. And you will learn so much about who you work with at this level, because if they're under this fear and duress, the truth is going to come out, right? Yes, Their true selves are going to come out. And so, be it that it might be scary, it is a life learning lesson. There are yeah, and Yvette, learn. you also brought about like from a professional level, and I was reading an article actually last night on Forbes, and they were actually talking about like outskilling. So there's outsourcing, there's actually providing new development skills internally, but outskilling is something that I never heard about. So that is a new you know term mm. that a lot of companies before Corona, even kind of the pandemic started, a lot of companies were looking into, hey, listen, automation is going to come through. Technology advances are occurring. A lot of the jobs, about 35 to 40% of jobs, are going to become automated and become obsolete. How are we going to help train our employees to actually develop the skills to take themselves yes. to the next level? And I thought that that was a really, you know, interesting concept because, you know, you sometimes look at the big corporations and you look at, you know, the, the management team to be like out for the employees sometimes because you do feel like you're such a small voice. And maybe this is that larger, you know, Fortune 100, 500 companies. But right. at, essentially, you want to make sure that whatever organization you're part of, that's your family, you know, and if you've devoted a lot of your loyalty and your trust there, you want to make sure that if your employees are jeopardized with layoffs and furloughs and, and things that are happening right now, how is mm -hmm. your team and how is your management going to help you get to that next level? Maybe they make that introduction to someone that they may know, or maybe they actually, you know, uh, help with a Udemy course to be like, hey, listen, you might want to develop your skills. And in three to four months, if you complete the certification, I can get you in touch with, you know, X, Y, and Z. 
So I think that's yeah. also a very collaborative approach um, to this yeah. and, and something that's a negative maybe right now with people losing their jobs. That hope that we talked about in our last podcast, hope is still there. And I think we can all work together to bridge that gap between kind of the unknown and that uncertainty. Okay, I'll be okay. You know, I think sometimes you just need to understand that there is hope and I will be okay at the end of this. Absolutely. And that's like a big thing too, because it sometimes it takes a negative to create positive outlets, right? And with um, this situation that's going on, we actually have this opportunity where we're on pause because it's going to take a while for new social norms to come about, our new language of communicating with people personally and professionally. So this opportunity is for individuals and organizations where they can look towards themselves and really um, assess their risks and vulnerabilities. I know as an organization, having income dips randomly, we were able to start looking back and figuring out like, hey, we actually need to have higher reserves. We need to create internal safety measures and financial measures to make sure that we're sustained in the long run. And also, hey, maybe we shouldn't shake hands from an individual level or run up and hug somebody. We have to come up with that new language. And there's actually positives from that as well, because uh, non-COVID illnesses have also been on the decline just because we've been washing our hands and not yep. uh, shaking, uh, shaking <laughs> exactly. people running up. So there's a, it's also a good opportunity from like a, per, a personal and professionally to start looking back. What are my vulnerabilities during this time? How am I measuring up with these waves? And what are some ways and strategies I can adjust myself? So when we are post quarantine in this new norm, I have my shield, I have my safety mm -hmm. net to make sure that I'm successful exactly. in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, Tim, you brought up a really good point because. When Misha was bringing up like looking at employees like sustainability, I was actually thinking what you were thinking, Tim, which was what about the safety? That was the first thing that came to my mind when I heard about this whole situation of COVID spreading like wildfire and, uh, you know, just being out of control to some degree. Right. And no one really knows. I feel like every day on the news, every new, every yeah. city is a hotspot. There's a new hotspot every day. Right. It's, they don't it's, know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I'm not trying to laugh about this, yeah. but I'm like, it's, it's, there's no, I don't know what model they're using, but no model is working, obviously, because every mm -hmm. day it's a different place. Mm -hmm. But safety was my main concern. Are, are my employees safe? Are, are, their, are their friends safe? Are their families safe? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. how is their well-being? And then we could tackle the next step, which is what we're going to do to sustain. Um, you know, I'm in an industry that, that's highly technical and when when it comes to technology I always look at it this way like you're either going to be in automation or you're going to support yeah. automation that's yeah. going to be the future yeah. of every job to some degree right whether you like it or not mm -hmm. we have to evolve to that point mm -hmm. um and then when you when you bring in COVID into the equation obviously it's accelerating all of this to you know to an exponential level but I always I thought at first I'm going to have a lot of time because I'm quarantined, you know, our state's on lockdown. I'm going to be confined mm -hmm. to my area. But now I look at it in terms of where did the day go? Like all of a sudden I, I, I look at the clock and it's 8 p.m., 9 p.m. I, I have so many things going on. And, and in some here. ways, maybe that's what gives us like you bet you were talking about the balance and finding sanity yeah. in this whole mm -hmm. new mm -hmm. world. Right. And I'm looking at it in terms of the same way where after things start to like, relax and and you know the cases go down and we're allowed to go out safely to some degree um i feel like i'm going to be busier than ever i've been more busy than before or the quarantine <laughs> yeah. happened exactly and i, yeah. I, I want to adapt that good point. 
Yeah, you bring up such a good point, Andy. And something that I've been thinking about, I just, you know, a lot about how I've been feeling very blessed being in this position where I can work from home. And mm -hmm. I've been thinking about how do I develop my skills? Where do I take them to the next level? Being that we have a little bit more time on our plates, right? But another mm -hmm. issue that sort of crops its head and something I've been thinking about, you know, is what about people who are not in industries that are recession proof, so to speak, right? Sure. I, mean, mm -hmm. I think this whole pandemic has been giving a lot of light to the fact that there is an economic discrepancy going on in our country, not just in our country, but globally, okay? Global. What if you are a uh, cleaner right now and you work for a cleaning service? You are also, you know, putting yourself at risk doing what you're doing essentially, but what happens now? You know, um, how do you keep yourself sane? And what skills do you need to develop? I mean, I have a friend who basically she's a nanny, yeah, and that's all about human interaction, right? Without human interaction, you don't have a job. So I think there needs to be something done where we have routes, you know, just beyond even if it's educational, something that we can provide, whether it be a platform to help these people, because what is going to happen is, yes, the, there's going to be one camp of us who are getting better skills and getting more educated and what we do and learning there's going to be this other camp that's just held so held behind but then it also yeah. brings up the issue i'm a gemini so i can sort of look at both sides maybe these mm -hmm. people will be forced into a new industry i mean what do you I, I think i think that is the latter because i understand like there's there's a level of privilege that yeah. is part of this equation and then there's yeah. also a part mm -hmm. of being resourceful right yeah. the people that are resourceful we talk about networking we talk about who is part of your brand and who you surround yourself with. If you're resourceful, anything that comes your way, any obstacles that come your way, you're gonna be able to kind of overcome them, right? That's what makes yeah. you stronger as a person. But what you're talking about, Yvette, is there are some people that are not as you know blessed and, and maybe no. don't have as, as much of the resources, but I think that the four of us, at least, have a, a pretty robust network and we have the resourcefulness. To help those you know I, I think that what what people need to know is have the awareness that there are people like us that are open arms and would actually extend an arm to uh, you know connect people together and I think that's actually a very positive thing another thing that I was also thinking about just to kind of like a, a little bit of a tangent that coming back to the handshake because I've been thinking about this a lot lately and it's like you know once you go back out there and be around people Yep. I, from a funny and a humorous perspective, there are so many tutorials out there that actually teach people how to wash hands properly. And the thing, like, yep. I don't consider myself a super germaphobe, but now I'm actually <laughs> becoming one. And I'm like, did people not wash their hands before? <laughs> so that just makes well, it kind of go really to a different true. level. It's really scary. I think what it is, is you you're know? supposed to be able to sing happy birthday twice over as you're washing your hands yes. or else you didn't do the job right. So <laughs> I, I know exactly. that, right? Um, Corona is a time where people are learning how to wash their they hands are. for the first time. I mean, you're right. teaching your kids, right? A five-year-old, maybe a four or five-year-old is learning how to wash their hands properly. But I was like, no, you need tutorials for 35-year-olds because yes. they don't know how to wash their hands properly. And and like it is kind of disgusting at times and i i have uh, known some acquaintances where they didn't have soap in their in their apartments in their homes and that's disgusting on a different level as well so at least what i can say is hopefully after we come out of this we will come out of corona people should know how to wash hands properly
So, <laughs> well, I think that's interesting that you say that because a lot of what I've been doing in my, you know, obviously in my position is I talk to a lot of businesses. And because we produce a lifestyle show, a lot of those businesses happen to be in the restaurant industry. And this is mm -hmm. really coming to life because this is really shattering their entire world, right? Because it's food, yeah. it's the handling of food, it's the showcasing mm -hmm. of the quality. But one thing that I've managed to pivot is guys, look. You're working behind the scenes here with food. Don't just think that once the quarantine is lifted, everybody's gonna hop up in a, in a song and dance and wanna go straight exactly. into a restaurant. That's yeah. not the case, you know? And mm -hmm. a lot of them have been agreeing with me. And the one thing that they think is really important is advertising at this time because they can just sort of showcase, right, a, a viewpoint from the fact that let's make people a little bit more comforted by showcasing what we can do, how clean we are, how sanitary we are. Yeah. Which are really not mm -hmm. things that we touched upon before with our partnerships. It wasn't even sort of an issue. It was more about the story mm -hmm. behind the brand. But now there is so much of that importance built upon how clean a restaurant is, right? Exactly. I, I don't think that's ever been in the spotlight more than it is today. Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah, and I you're also going to oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Tim, please. Oh, well, one thing I just uh, you know resonated as well. One thing I'm very um, actually happy is a positive that we're starting to see a lot of value go to these service workers and that wasn't placed in society before. So mm -hmm. understanding, hey, we want quality in the type of services and products we have, it's gonna inevitably make these industries start investing more in these service yeah. industries and also these employees through safety measures that we never really, or society didn't value enough previously, we're starting to invest yeah. more into these employees to make sure they are safe. And also you'll start seeing technology advance to where it can start helping with these skills. For example, I have family members and friends who are just realizing right now, even though it's been there for a while, how much knowledge, how much skills and resources there are on the internet through workshops and online education certifications where they have the opportunity to start researching that right now. So you're mm -hmm. gonna start seeing this investment that can help build these skills up for these uh, individuals that aren't as fortunate as us for to be working remotely to help mm -hmm. them transition if needed. But then you're also gonna see these companies investing a lot more in their safety, which they never really had that opportunity previously. You know, and another another point kind of to, to be taken on the automation realm, because, you know, I, I do follow um, GI Gadgets. It's, a, it's an mm -hmm. organization that is, specializes in robotics. And there's a lot of robots that are being created right now. And one that was really, really powerful that I saw um, was a robot that actually can make a, a, like 25 dishes at a restaurant at one time. I with saw proper, that. Did yes. you see that? Yes, it was, yes. It was basically it was even, you know, it was so cute. It was like serving like a whole pie, a pizza pie to a table. Yeah, like, this is amazing. Yeah, you basically <laughs> input the ingredients, yeah. and you know, if you want to make pasta, it'll actually provide that. Now, another thing is the, the scary thing is that it, that could take the place of you know five or six chef right mm -hmm. but what I was kind of thinking about it is if you invest in something like that first and foremost it's efficient second I mean it's obviously going to be expensive it's an investment but it's going to be efficient it's also going to make sure the orders are correct so the accuracy mm -hmm. is part of it and then thirdly and the most important thing is the sanitation problem like you know right. people are not going to cough and sneeze like a robot hopefully they don't make it as real that it sneezes hopefully they can't contract COVID-19 <laughs> let's, let's cross I, our fingers I, 
Yeah, but I think also like there are going to be workers and jobs created to oversee that that product, right? That robot is going yeah. to need maintenance. It's going to need you know facilitation. Exactly. There's going to be a manager that's going to assess that you know the, the people are getting the right you know dishes. So when I think in the last podcast we were talking about automation and you know new jobs are going to be created and some jobs are going to be obsolete. That's actually Kind of a negative and sometimes a, a negative connotation where it's kind of a scare tactic but right. i look at it on mm-hmm. the other end that it's going to create new jobs that are not even created right now so i think that's going to allow that creativity and we are harnessing probably our most creative selves by being in quarantine and having a little yeah. bit more time so, uh, automation mm-hmm. it, it has such a negative connotation it does. Uh, my organization we, we specialize in digital transformation and in all honesty, before uh, the whole COVID pandemic, there were clients that we were trying to convince that they could benefit greatly from digital transformation, and they were just pushing back. So we got a lot things. of no's. <laughs> they're, they're saying our core competency mm-hmm. is face-to-face interaction, all this stuff. But I could read through, <laughs> so I could read between the lines and say that maybe these people are really just afraid of embracing technology. They don't understand right. it. They're scared of it, and they're worried about their jobs. But now my phones were ringing, phone lines ringing off the hook 24 hours a day with people saying, oh, you know, we, now we want to embrace that and we want it done like immediately. And I was, I was trying to sell them a long time ago. And I was like, I remember three or four months ago, you weren't even having this conversation with us. So it's, uh, it's funny how things change, but it's also not a bad thing to be able to embrace that. And, you know, a lot of times people think that my, my job is compromised, but it gives you that much more time to work on other things, right? If I didn't use automation in day-to-day tasks, and we, if we were all just taking notes and on pen and paper, we would be so, so much less efficient (laughs) than we are today, where we could put things in the CRM system, use that database to market leads and automatically target people and send them newsletters and, and feeds and all this stuff that's done with AI today. And AI is my bread and butter, so I love it. But it's, but artificial intelligence is amazing and that's the reason we're seeing self-driving cars on the road doesn't mean that uber drivers are going away it means that they're going to become the engineers behind self-driving cars to make sure that they're safe guys if you have a self-driving car don't fall asleep in it because you still need to be awake and aware of where your car is going i was wondering too many of these these people in teslas just falling asleep on the road that's not the way to do it but it's, there's more opportunity to learn about other things in the world. And there's the opportunity to grow. We're not in the industrial age anymore. We don't have a lot of steel mill and coal workers. Right. They were in the information age. We have so many new jobs yeah. and so much more opportunity. Well, it's, it's interesting that you say the information age because I, after something drastic like this happens, I feel like we're going to coin a brand new phase um, of life. And I hope that that actually does kind of catch on. You know, it's not even information, but it, it's really... Um, a matter of more of a collaborative approach. I think that, you know, as a society together, you're a lot stronger as, as opposed to individually, you know, Strength doing things. Numbers, so, I completely agree exactly. with you, um, Misha. And I, and something that just comes to mind for me is what is passion anymore? Is passion going to be defined by how great of a solution we create during this time are are we as humans changing our passion for what we used to do are we shedding our old selves what does this mean and i think that's also really exciting it's how we're going to evolve right and i think that's what we 
touching upon, but this whole idea of passion, which I think since a, a young girl, I was always just driven. And I think probably a lot of you have been just hammered by the mm -hmm. idea of you got to find your passion. You've got to find your mm -hmm. passion or else you're not going to be a complete human, right? What's your passion? Mm -hmm. And we're always mm -hmm. just, you know, faced up against finding our passion. But in times like this, when nobody can explain the circumstances or even predict the circumstances, what is passion? You know, is passion something of circumstance or is it, is it of something of drive or the two intermixed? I think too, you, it's about the good opportunity where we're at it's just investing in yourself. And that's why I love technology because it gives you two things. It gives you your time in the day and it gives you a limitless environment to learn different resources and understand new information that you wouldn't have been susceptible to in your current environment. So yeah. that idea of investing in yourself is what really understanding and getting that knowledge is what helps develop your passion for what you want to do personally or what you want to do in a career. And that's why I'm personally, the more educated you get, you realize that automation isn't such a scary thing. It actually yeah. helps increase salaries. Cause let's be honest, somebody who's repairing or doing maintenance for that robot dishwasher is going to be a lot more compensated than the person that was doing it by yeah. hand. And yeah, that's, uh, that helps out with living standards. So I think people really need to, to embrace technology. Life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think this cool opportunity is it's forcing everybody to go online. It's pushing that learning, shortening that learning curve mm -hmm. of technology and just finding out how much resources are out there because that's what's going to make us a more diverse economy and communities once they realize how much access they do have of free knowledge so they can go and develop their passions that make sense for what's in need nowadays versus just being in a linear thought process. Well, another thing that I, I, you know, I always think about because I, I think also when you define passion when you're younger, you're passionate about so many different things, right? You're you're carefree, you you're constantly curious about so many different things, and as you get older, I think people kind of put it down your throat, whether it is you know your family members. I mean, my parents were very mm -hmm. supportive, but I've definitely heard of some parents that are kind of down people's throats to be like, you need to do this, you need to do this, very strict. Mm -hmm. Also in schooling systems, you know, teachers can be, um, you know, a, you know, a, a little bit stringent on things. So as you get older, you're starting to kind of, that creative element of what you are as a child and the creativity that a child has, it actually gets undermined as you get older. Yeah. So I think that mm -hmm. what what's kind of a, a nice thing for me to explore sometimes is passion can be in so many different ways. It's such a colorful term where you can say that, you know, you can be passionate about seven or eight things, right? But to me, what passion is, is what do I love doing where there's no monetary value? There's no ex extrinsic, you know, um, compensation or anything that I get out of it I just get joy like pure like joy that comes out of what I do Which, you know whether me, Nisha, I, I agree mm -hmm. with 100% finding that joy mm -hmm. but it's been interesting because I've been reading a lot of articles written about debunking the myth of passion you know that mm -hmm. sometimes finding the joy can be dangerous because a lot of times people end up a little disillusioned because they can't pay the bills whether it's and I'm, this is just coming to mind being an actor for example right yeah um, Mm -hmm. people follow their joy and then what sometimes that ends up happening because it's it's just a very competitive industry although no industry is not competitive and privy of course challenges, mm -hmm. it becomes the idea of is there a danger in that right um should you quit your side hustle especially now should you dream that large not knowing what we're doing moment to moment is that something that can be risky 
No, exactly. And I, I think you also have to be a little self-aware. And sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. your passion may not actually be something that is lifelong, right? Like yeah. you may get into something that you enjoy, but I think you also have to be logical in the sense that, you know, sometimes passion doesn't pay anything. <laughs> and yeah. we, all need yeah. to, we all need to, you know, yeah. survive. So I understand that. I think you also have to try a bunch of things. I think sometimes we, we talk about being stagnant and complacent about things. And I think that what Tim was even alluding to was we have to constantly develop ourselves and you can, it's so easy to go on, on YouTube or Udemy or Code Academy or any of these resourceful, you know, websites that are out there and you can teach yourself to do practically anything. And I think that's the beauty of it is in the sense that you can pretty much take whatever is out there. We are in an information age right now and being able to kind of stay on top of it. So it, it is that balance. It's that balance of passion, but also making sure that you take your care of yourself as, as a, you know, an adult, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And this whole topic of, of like taking care of yourself, I've never heard so much more about it than, you know, what we're dealing with now. Just be kind to yourself because yes, as much as we want to get into those bikini bodies by summer and we're all like, oh, we're all quarantined. Sometimes just taking a little break is okay. And I think, you know, we're putting a lot of stress on it. And I love this conversation because we're talking about solutions and building bigger and better. But I also think there is that quiet time, that respite, that really is something that people take for granted. And I think we'll want to go back to once quarantine is over, right, essentially. So I think it is all about that balance. And I, uh, me, for one, I can tell you it's really hard for me to find that quiet time unless I'm forced because I'm always thinking about a million different things. I've got things on my list to get to, and it's always about get to point A, get to point B, get to point C, right, to feel whole. But sometimes it's really nice taking a little break of 10 minutes, whether it's, I don't know, it doesn't even have to be meditating, but it's doing something creative where it's writing, um, where it's reading something inspirational. I know, Misha, you were telling me about how you can spend like an hour easily just digesting information online, of course, educational, Mm -hmm. right, and informative. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of that is really lost when we're working in, you know, obviously for me, pre-quarantine, it was the commute, it was being in an office, which I do enjoy, but there is something to come of this, of not always being able to build big blocks, move mountains, right? Um, But also just take that quiet time to understand a little bit about who you are. Because when we're in such a fast-paced mode, we're just go, 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 rush, 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 let's get this accomplished. And sometimes it can feel a little uncomfortable. I have to be honest, guys, Sometimes I've sat with myself and I'm like, what am I doing? This is weird. This is really (laughs) bizarre. I'm understanding a little bit more about my personality, but how I react to things, how I react to fear, how I react to anxiety, how I'm reacting to the world around me, what relationships really mean so much to me. What am I getting out of those relationships? There's been almost like this vortex of power that I'm literally trying to access, but it, it's, it's, it's been interesting, including, I know, Tim, you mentioned this about dreams being a little bit more particularly just sort of visual and powerful. And I'm sure oh, yeah. we collectively are taking on a lot of stress that that is sort of, you know, exemplifying in our dreams. I think a lot of people, uh, and that's, we, I sent uh, Eva an article about how our dreams were becoming more vivid and more stronger in this time of crisis. Which did freak me out a little bit, it was great. Which was, <laughs> but it was really cool. I'll send that to everybody. Yep. It was a really cool article. But yes, um, it's interesting, what, what, whether you like it or not, we're in it. We are forced to be in an exploration period, which is nice that passion kind of goes in hand. 
I'll take this example very cheesy. I'm with my family right now. We're all hunkered down, so we have a little army. We took some time just making like masks for ourselves, like handcraft, like, hey, let's make some masks just because we need them. Uh, do I think yeah do i think i'll make money off of that no (laughs) after quarantine will i be designing in milan no it's not gonna happen right but it did get me to that point where like hey i like i love technology and that's what i do and it's a lot of the computer but i wanted it made me have that childish kind of feeling again where i like to be crafty and i'm and it's been making me think like hey maybe i want to do an online workshop i just have a creative outlet will that make monetary probably not but i enjoy doing it but it also helps support my full uh, balance in life and it helps me be stronger at what I'm doing at work because there's a balance so I do think passion can work hand in hand with in a way to make you just more fulfilled in your daily your daily life speaking of being childlike I completely agree with you Tim on that one something that I haven't really done in a while is actually get down on the floor and play with my dog I know that sounds really crazy to some of you but because of my hectic schedule pre-quarantine, I never, you know, when I got home, I dropped my things off. I would typically do like a hot yoga class after work. And by the time I got home, I was exhausted, okay, um, beyond measure. And so just thinking about reconnecting with, oh, I have a dog. Okay, this is actually helpful during this time. I can socialize with my dog, little things like that, which to be quite honest with you guys, after quarantine, I hope some of these rituals, sort of these customs don't get obliterated. I think that's the one fear, you know, is that we, we'll, we'll just diminish all of that and go back to what we, what we call the normal life, which I think personally is gonna be changed um, and spun on its head. But that's one of my personal fears, you know, um, is, is the good that's coming out of it going to be obliterated immediately as we go back to normal life? I mean, what do you guys think? Well, I think that, you know, a lot of us, the common theme behind this was being childlike. And, and uh, Tim, you said that, that you mentioned this, Misha, you even mentioned it, mm-hmm. just going back to something we enjoyed being as children. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I think actually in, in my experience, I work with many age groups. Um, people as young as in their te- like teenagers and people as old as people in their 80s, sometimes even 90s. Um, but one thing I learned was sometimes the more you learn, the less you grow. Like the more you know, the less you grow. And I've, I've been a very strong proponent of that because when you tell a kid something, they don't know sometimes like it, it hasn't been done or it's impossible, right? And I'm sure we've all watched Goodwill Hunting, but a lot of great mathematicians have solved problems um, from not knowing that it's impossible, because if you tell somebody yeah. this is impossible, then they won't them. they won't attempt mm-hmm. it. You're yeah. putting a you're putting a roadblock right there. You're mm-hmm. saying it's not possible. It cannot be done, right? Something yeah. that's impossible is just something that has not been done before, but yeah. it doesn't mean it cannot mm-hmm. be done. Period, right? But I think a lot of times as adults, when we think when we hear that word impossible, that means it cannot be done. Period, right? So the Wright brothers, yeah. they didn't give up. They had that childlike you know, that childlike desire to, to find some type of contraption that can fly. And they made a plane that could legitimately fly, but they were told that's impossible, but they had to regress to their childlike behaviors to say that just because they're telling us it can't be done doesn't mean that it cannot be done. So a lot of times I think of kids like starting these successful business. I've worked with a lot of uh, younger entrepreneurs in my life, and some of them don't even know like, you know, it, how to incorporate a business or how to manage accounting books or how to deal with like, you know, taxes, but they start a successful multi-million dollar business. But if I tell you all of these 
things that you have to go through to start a business, I'm going to scare you into exactly. like thinking that you have, to spend, you have to spend one year, you have to spend 20 years learning how to start a it's business before you even start the business. Well, Andy, and you'll never do it. Andy's so right. We have talked to some YouTube influencers and some as, as young as, you know, 12 or 13. And it's so fascinating to see that they've actually built such a great audience. And, you know, it really comes from that, that childlike passion. There is one of the, I think the most successful YouTube influencers is actually a kid in China and all he does is unbox toys because he loves playing with toys. What kid doesn't like to do that? But someone's yeah. parent sounds like um, a dream was, job. It Lying does. And, and, but that that parent <laughs> understood that, hey, this is what my child likes. Let me actually videotape them. And this actually kind of comes into your uh yours event and Tim's kind of you know realm of business. Um, but he just started videotaping his child and he started putting it out there, right? He didn't know anything about business either. I think he was a pharmaceutical sales rep. And he was like, okay, let's just kind of like put this information out there. He didn't know how to use YouTube. He figured it out. And it's it's that risk taking, right, that you were talking about, Tim. I hope we don't divert mm -hmm. back to being too conservative. Yeah. I want us to yeah. still have that risky uh, measure, but that creative childlike aspect. I mean, there's a psychology experiment that comes through and they're like, why do we fear going into business? It's only right? risky because someone told you it's going to be risky. Someone told you that. If I tell you something is going to be risky exactly. and very few people mm -hmm. succeed, you might not even try. You Most people try. will get scared off by even me saying that, right? Well, for us to talk to our clients, sometimes we always say, like, how long have you had this idea? Like, why have you not started it? And they're like, you know, it was that fear. It was that fear of rejection. It was fear of failure. There's a lot of fears mm -hmm. that are associated with that. But what I was yeah. talking about was, you know, when little kids are starting to walk, do they fall down and just, you know, give up and start crying? No, they no. get back up, right? And they keep continuing to get back up. And that's kind of the principle that we have to take as adults, right? We get so yeah. kind of inundated with, oh, you can't do this, or this is impossible, like Andy oh, mentioned, or, you know, well, not, this, this is something that has never been done, so why yeah. are you wasting your time? So I think that's actually a really important takeaway uh, to and consider. not to get too psychological, but you just reminded me both, you know, you, Andy, and, and Misha, about something that's really important, right? I mean, as much as we, we like to say, okay, well, psychology doesn't really have any meaning and stuff that happened in our childhood, you bring up a really good point. Um, how much of our childhood is embedded on the adult that we are today, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm not a proponent of Scientology, so do not quote me here. But um, the whole auditing process, you know, according to Scientologists, which I think there is a lot of truth to, to this, a lot of what your belief system and how it's formed has a lot to do with the dialogue you were listening to as a child. Okay, mm -hmm. it could be the smallest of things like learning how to walk. What if you know your parent and maybe you messed up learning how to walk, right? Your parent goes, oh my goodness, try again, you're doing horribly. What if you have a parent that is, is so critical, right? And then all mm -hmm. you're hearing is negative language. You might grow up to be less of a risk taker, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I believe that. I think, I think that if you're constantly being put up in a negative environment, your in, internal thoughts are going to be negative. If you are um, surrounded by positivity, that's how it's going to go. Now, am I saying that if you're, if you grow up in a negative environment, you can't turn positive? No, yeah. I think anything's possible and you can turn that around. That probably takes a, a little bit of, 
internal dialogue, maybe even, you know, therapy and, and having a support system. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is kind of, you have to be the, the owner of your own emotions and you your drive. But you can, but you absolutely you can, can mm-hmm. turn it around because you, you are who you surround yourself with, right? Exactly. And yeah. if you surround yourself with people who are very negative and depressing mm-hmm. and tell you you can't do things, um, then you're going to be that way. You're going to yeah. feel that way. You're going to feel Absolutely. But you are a mirror. Yourself. It's like a mirror. It's a reflection, right? You're reflecting well, what's yeah. what's the outside it's, world. So I completely exactly. It's a self. It's also the self fulfilling prophecy, right? If you actually, yeah. Yeah. you know, bring that to life and you have those, you know, those sayings and and chant things in the morning to have kind of those. Um, what what am I trying to think of? I positive I mantras. Like, yes, <laughs> mantras. Exactly. Yeah. It's mantras. Yeah. Exactly. Thanks yes. for that. Um, so if you if you practice that, you can actually make that happen into your life, right? Totally. You can actually breathe positivity into your life. So I think that's actually really inspirational. And also for our viewers or our listeners out there, you know, right now can be a challenging time. You know, Tim actually mentioned on the last podcast that we're going to experience a lot of emotions, right? We're not expecting yeah. everyone mm-hmm. to be positive. You're going to actually be sad. You're probably going to be fearful. You you might get mad. You know, there's going to be a okay. lot of emotions. It's and okay. it's completely okay. But as long as the negative emotions don't overwhelm the positivity, I think mm-hmm. every, any person, you know, whatever situation you're in, you can actually come out on the other side, you know, a better person. Yeah. The only way you I can hear it. I 1000% agree with you. Yeah, yeah, you're the only get, way. Not just, not just uh, emotions. You're going to get resources from different parts that you never thought so. I'm lucky mm-hmm. to have like younger siblings, but they're about to graduate their senior year. And it's kind of interesting when we were mentioning Andy Visha about that childlike and event talking about risk and not being too conservative. We're in situations where like, hey, they're going to ask me, what do we do after high school? What do we need mm-hmm. to, like for jobs and all that? And the yep. whole rule book is gone. So yep. I have some, I don't yep. know. And we have to start thinking about ways of, I don't know. What do we do with that? We have to right. start trial and error. Which is mm-hmm. it's interesting because I'm seeing them doing it. And it's like, well, I should be the mentor, but I'm actually getting a lot of useful information from them, even though they're much younger than me. Yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. such a good it's point. It's this weird unknown process that it's kind of exciting. It's that whole theme of exploration. And yeah. you're just, everyone's forced into it. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how people adapt with it and then the different experiences you're going to get in a short period. Well, yeah. think about think it now. Like, Go ahead, Misha. Well, I kind of going off of that, like, you know, I, I think we also mentioned that, you know, I don't think any of us are in our 20s, I'm kind of assuming, but if I were back at that time, it could probably be a little challenging, but it's also kind of a blank slate, right? Yeah. If, if we yeah. actually came out of this when, you know, things were kind of in disarray, and there were no expectations of us, wouldn't that mm-hmm. be kind of a nice thing where no one expects anything out of you but if you do something yes. that's extraordinary or if you do something that's a little bit outside of the box it's going to actually give you a lot more pride right like I think that that's mm-hmm. also like the exploration side of things and that's that creativity yeah. I think that could actually yeah. be a good thing so um, I always try to look at you know the glass half full type of person that I am and I'm like okay maybe mm-hmm. that would actually be something good and not to say that we can't actually come out with a blank slate either right in in something else that we're wanting to do we created this podcast this podcast came out of the the situation we're in but I feel like this has become you know a a great you know milestone for for us to come together and and really collaborate I I tell everyone I know 
people I love that it, the only way I could guarantee you 100% failure is if you never try. Mm-hmm. That's the only way exactly. you can guarantee that in your life, yeah, right? Exactly. If you try, it doesn't matter what you do and how well you come out with it. You've learned something. You've gained you've something. something. You can't, no one could take that away from you. So it's always great. If I'm not learning something or doing something new every day, I'm not living. Mm-hmm. And I can't, Absolutely. I can't, I can't think of a life where I wasn't doing that. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are very repetitive and the definition of doing the same thing over insanity. and over again and expecting different results according to exactly. Are we playing are we playing the game again? You get we are. I got Yes, it's insanity. I, I love that. No, you you bring up a really good point. I think we're all just a blank canvas right now, just sort of, you know, stroking yeah. our own um, creative sort of pursuits and finding out a lot about ourselves internally that we weren't really one with. And one thing that I find really interesting is for those who are sort of disconnected from their family, okay, maybe they're not, you know, maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe you have a toxic relationship with your family. Obviously, if you have a healthy relationship with your family, this is a sad element, but think about those who have a very toxic relationship with their family. This might be a time for them to really step aside and understand what's important and how that affects their life. But something Mm -hmm. that I actually read, which is really interesting, is that in Wuhan, China, the divorce rate has spiked, okay? And I think, you know, obviously I'm not a proponent of divorce by any chance. I come from a divorce background and it is challenging, but I will say a lot of people are really understanding the scope of this, of who they are and what they want, right? Um, Like it or not, the good with the bad, we're seeing the good, the bad, and the Mm -hmm. ugly right now. One thing that I say with us, especially after post-quarantine, and I know I've been, it's pushed me out of the comfort zone. We've come in a culture, especially in the U.S., of where you have to stand on your two feet and do everything and be self-made by yourself. And mm-hmm. now we're in that situation where we really understand the value of the community. I can go ask help and be comfortable asking help without being judged or shamed by somebody else. I've seen people mm-hmm. who, who had such a high pride where they're like, hey, how do I apply for unemployment or SBA program? Hey, I need help with clients. Hey, I need this and that. And that situation really as far without shame of when people ask mm-hmm. for help hasn't really helped uh, happened in our culture. But I know, mm-hmm. especially right now, people and everyone's doing it. So we don't have, we have that collective shameless uh, environment. And I hope that stays with us in the end because it opens up Definitely. so much opportunities and opens up dialogues that you would never have, even in your personal life with family, distant yeah. family members. Or, strengthens, uh, strengthen numbers, strengthen that network. Yeah. I definitely believe that. Yeah. Well, I, I think judgment needs to, to be kind of out the wayside. I mean, mm-hmm. typically people will judge from an external view. They don't actually empathize and sometimes they don't understand, you know, people's situations. So I do agree. I, I feel like if we're in a judgment-free zone, um, if people were at some point, you know, not being judgmental or being a little bit more selfish and all those things, all I can say is people have the ability and the propensity to change. So if someone was, you know, pre-quarantine, I guess we can kind of make this kind of like a before and after situation, but hopefully after quarantine, during post-quarantine, people were a little bit more understanding, maybe a little bit more compassionate and understanding of, hey, listen, we just actually endured a really tough time in our generation, right? I mean, you know, my my mother's generation, our parents' generation hasn't even seen something as, no. as catastrophic as this, right? And I was actually yeah. looking 
looking at, uh, I was reading an interesting article about baby boomers versus millennials. And there's that yeah. quintessential, you know, like back and forth, you know, boomers are always like, oh, millennials are lazy, millennials are like, boomers, who cares? Like you guys ruined right. the, we're spending, you know, the we're spending more on Starbucks coffee than actually getting homes, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so funny, but you know what? Millennials do get a, a, a bad rap and I, I have to say I'm a millennial. I'm kind of on the cusp of that. And so sometimes, you know, you have to look at it. We have been through a lot of stuff. I mean, the amount of tragedy that we've experienced in our lifetime, it's a lot. We've gone through a recession. We've gone through 9-11. We've gone through Columbine. We've gone through, you know, like a financial crisis. And now we're going through an outbreak and a pandemic. So being able to kind of come through on the other side of those things, like that is actually an accomplishment in itself. And I know we're going to get yeah. through to, to the net, you know, on the other side as well. So I think what, what doesn't, you know, destroy you makes you stronger. So I think as a society, not just millennials, um, but we are going to be, you know, the next generation that, you know, is going to be in charge of a lot of things. So we have to make sure that we're understanding and empathetic in any way possible. I just got like really good shivers up my spine, like, ooh, scintillating. <laughs> I was really revved up by that because that really just motivated me. And I think, you know, you're absolutely right about that. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, although it may look bleak and dark, you know. Um, I, I absolutely think that if you have the will to survive, you will survive, right? Um, and again, like Tim, something you mentioned is the network, keeping up with your network and keeping these people closer than ever, right? Um, and maybe even strengthening a lot of relationships as much as it can, you know, sort of put a light on who's really being genuine in your life that you can stand to live without. Um, it also mm -hmm. puts a highlight on who's really important and how much gratitude you have for those people in your, in, in your life, essentially, right? Um, and right now with us doing limited socializing, I think those people are even more important, right? <laughs> so I think yeah. just being, you know, grateful about the fact that, wow, I've got a really connection, a really good connection that's withstanding this pandemic. Even though this is a crisis, we're going through it together. We're all in this together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of pose my, my question at the beginning of this podcast, you know, what does that new normal look like? I think all four of us essentially have mentioned that we may not know what that new normal looks like. We can't really define it, but we know that there is going to be a new normal. You know, we are going to mm -hmm. change as a society. Hopefully we'll change for the better, but we can't be stagnant by any means. This is the time to really kind of pro propel ourselves. Um, to be a better version of ourselves. And with each individual being a better version of themselves, we can actually collaborate and actually work toward a better good. So I think that that's really kind of the, the, the common thread throughout this whole conversation that we've had today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. And it's okay to have your little freakout sessions. It's okay to eat that extra cupcake. Don't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> Call exactly. a friend and tell them to immediately eat something sweet. Talk about it. Forget about it. Have a dance party. Shake it off. Exactly. Right? I agree. Cheers to that. Yes. And it is Thursday. So, you know, having a wine Thursday moment, just taking a friend aside after a day of work and saying, how were you? How was your life? You know, what, what have been, what's been the turmoil of today or what's positive that's happened? Those small things are creating really cool rituals. I think at least in my life, I have a very organized ritual. 
And I think my social structure is even more organized than it was before when I would make plans on the flyby, to be quite honest. Like I know, okay, let me look at my calendar. Fridays is when I get together with friends doing a little FaceTime session. I have my group for that. You know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I've got Misha and Andy on deck and we're talking about podcasts. We, I have more <laughs> structure than I've ever before, guys. No, that's yeah. great. That's now that, that shifts your mindset. You know, we talk, I think, Misha, you talked about surviving it or that you might have mentioned that as well. But we shouldn't just try to survive. We should try to thrive at this exactly. time. And it may seem like the odds are stacked against you, but that's just your own perception of it, right? Mm -hmm. And you could change that perception today or tomorrow. And I know it's hard. I'm not trying to be insensitive to anyone who's going through this or has family members going yeah. through the pandemic. Yeah. And if you've lost somebody, I know it's very difficult. I, I myself has had, have uh, been in this position too during this time but I, I always think of the like how, how are we going to come out on the other side and thrive and make yeah. a contribution to make the world even better right how are we each going to do our individual yeah. part because we could control how we react to everything mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and I'm a firm believer amazing things societal advancement always happens right after an initial situation of pressure that's mm -hmm. how inventions are made that's how relationships are made so this is like an exciting time and everyone out there they need to just don't be afraid to try new things right now and don't be afraid to fail fail many times so one time you succeed failure means learning so you're yeah. constantly learning don't even use the f word don't even use the f word <laughs> don't use the f word <laughs> we say that a lot we yeah. say don't use the f word and that means failure <laughs> yeah. yes i love it you know, absolutely. We could be sitting here, obviously, mourning the lives of others. And again, like what you said, Andy, obviously, that we have to be sensitive to that. People have lost their lives and, you know, obviously, friends and family and colleagues. But, you know, we're also mourning, in a sense, we could sit here mourning the loss of our old life, right? We could sit mm -hmm. here just, you know, bent on thinking about all the negative aspects of where we are. But I think collectively, you know, just having a support system, and I will say this again and again and again, is super important. That's like a vein right now that is going to be a, a route, a roadway, a path opener for so many people to just keep their sanity and keep connected, right? We'll find, we'll find a new way. And if you have to carry a glove in your pocket before you shake someone's hand, do that. If you're going <laughs> to go with the if you're going to go with the toe kick, just make sure you're not toe kicking with the soccer player. Otherwise, you'll get pretty bruised up. <laughs> I, and I'm not going to exactly. lie. I might, I might have one of those pocket Purells where I'll just, you know, zap it in someone's hands and maybe have them do a little bit of wash Car before carry, I'll. Carry an infrared, infrared thermometer. Is winking prohibited or is that still a thing? Oh, I, I love to wink. I wink at anyone because it's just a, I think it's a natural inherent thing that I do. So I wink. Yeah, it's, there you it's, go. it's not a flirtatious thing, but if someone wants to, you know, a smile, because of that, I have no problem. I'm, I'm good with the head nod from a distance, you know, six feet away, head nod. Yeah. I acknowledge you. I know you're well. there. Yeah, because the reason I ask it is that most people's mouths are covered. So if we can't sort of say hi and smile, we're going to have to use our eyes and smile with our eyes, as Tyra Banks says. Smile with your eyes. I love Tyra Banks smizing. And that's so. going to be like, why are all these guys asking for my phone number? I know. Hey, listen, I'll help you out with those uh, FaceTime dates. <laughs> I love it. I love it, guys. Well, I've, I've enjoyed my time here. Hopefully, all those listening have enjoyed, have gotten some, you know, bits of information they can take with them on their way. Until the next time, guys, I will see you soon. All right. Bye. Thank all you. Right. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.
Join us next week as you continue your exploration with us. Make sure to follow, like, and comment on Instagram. Find us at hashtag explore more.